0: Well, it's good to be with you this morning, Sanctuary. It's good to see most of uh, your faces, more of your faces for some of you, which is exciting. Today we celebrate the Ascension. The Ascension happened this past Thursday, and it's this moment, not literally like this past Thursday. Um, We celebrated Ascension on Thursday, and we carry that into our Sunday morning worship. And Ascension marks this moment when Christ ascends into heaven, that Christ returns to the right hand of God. And as I was preparing for today, I don't think I've ever talked about Ascension. In fact, it's something that I've probably tried to stay away from, like my experience with the Ascension actually happened more in our Easter musical that we did at my church growing up. Uh, We had this moment when Jesus, the guy that played Jesus, his name was Rick, and he would come out onto the stage and the disciples would surround him and very sneakily while they're surrounding him, because again, they surround him, Jesus is blessing them, they hooked him up to these strings. And then, while this is all happening, Jesus raises, Rick raises his hands and ascends. It looked a lot like this, that he ascended up into the ceiling. There was one week when they accidentally got the wires switched on Rick. And so as he's ascending, he's supposed to be looking out at all the people. He just slowly <laughs> turns so that his back is to the people, There are some sermons that we preach that really help us. Sermons that actually give us some kind of instruction on how to live our lives or how to face difficult situations, sermons that help us to become better people. And then there are sermons like what I'm about to give today, which are not like that, but I still think they're important because we're, we're talking about ascension. And in talking about the ascension, it's important for us to understand what this means for us and for our lives. So ascension is this kind of thing that we have to try to wrap our minds around to try to understand what does the ascension actually mean for us. This has always been, for me, my least favorite part of the gospel. This moment that Christ leaves because it feels in some ways so so indefensible, right? Like God becomes flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, and then he leaves us. It's one of those things that feels so overwhelmingly obvious, like of course Jesus has to leave, but it also feels so woefully inefficient on God's part. Right? It just makes everything so much more difficult. So, ascension, when we look at the calendar, what we find out is we have these 40 days that lead up to Easter, that lead up to Resurrection Sunday. And these 40 days, we've come to know this as the season of Lent. It's a season of giving up, a season of fasting, a season of making room for God in our lives as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Ascension follows exactly 40 days after Easter Sunday, 40 days after the resurrection. And so the church historically has said we celebrate for 40 days, we lean into this reality of ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But then 40 days after Easter, it's no longer dust to dust. The church would say it is now dust to heaven. Because Jesus has ascended, has returned to the right hand of God. And so has taken the dust of creation, the flesh and bone of humanity, and has brought it into heaven itself. So this is the very heart of ascension, that Jesus comes, Jesus takes on our humanity and then carries our humanity right back into the very heart of God. That Jesus leaves us in this way is not so much about Christ's absence in our lives. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that Christ goes away only to be nearer. Christ goes away only to be nearer, that Christ ascends into God and so comes nearer to us than we are to ourselves, that somehow by returning to the right hand of God. Christ is now filling all things, now fills all of creation. This is what we see in Ephesians. This is Ephesians 4.10. It says that he who descended is he who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. This filling of all things is what constitutes the new creation. This is what we mean when we say that a new day has been birthed into the world, that new creation is possible. It happens because Jesus is now all in all. Christ has ascended and now fills all things. And because Jesus has ascended and sits at the right hand of God, a new world has broken into our world. And in that new world, we believe that justice will come for the poor. In that new world, we believe that freedom will come for the prisoners, that healing will come for the sick, that somehow in this new creation, a new community has been formed And we are the people who have acknowledged the touch of Christ in our lives. And so we have responded to that love and to that mercy by becoming the body of Christ ourselves. That now, because Jesus has ascended and is seated at the right hand of God, there is now fertile soil in the world for love and forgiveness to flourish. This is the claim of the ascension, that a new creation has begun and it's made possible because Christ has ascended and is seated at the right hand of God. But this ascension, Jesus going up, it is not absence. I want us to hear that today as Pope Leo said that Christ did not abandon those whom he adopted. And how could he? We are the body of Christ and who is the head of the body is Jesus. The head can't be separated from the body any more than the heart can be removed from the body and the body remain living. That we exist as the body of Christ is a testament of Christ's presence in the world. When Christ was taken up, he, didn't, he in no way parted from us. He was not separated then from humanity, but Christ becomes inseparable from humanity. That Christ takes our very nature, our very flesh and bone, our human language, as Rowan Williams says, he takes our human language into heaven so that the language of heaven is a human language and not just an angelic language. It means that everything that we are Christ takes on for himself and carries it right back to the very heart of God. Christ is inseparable from humanity and particularly from humanity's sufferings. Remember in Acts nine, these are the moments that lead up to Saul's conversion. I wanna look at it just real quickly. Most of you know this story. This is the Damascus Road story. Acts chapter 9 says Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. If you're anything like me, I've always read this as, why do you persecute my followers? Why do you persecute my disciples, the followers of the way, as the text puts it? But we are the body of Christ, And for us to suffer is for Christ to be part of that suffering in a way that makes it possible for Christ to actually carry our suffering right to the heart of God. This is what the ascension actually makes possible. That because Christ was one who lived and suffered and died and then rose again, that now he joins all of humanity in our suffering. Blaise Pascal, 17th century philosopher, theologian, mathematician, he has this incredible line. He says, Christ suffers until the end of the world. Christ suffers until the end of the world. How? How is that possible? Because by ascending, Christ has made himself inseparable from our humanity, which includes our suffering." So for us to be in Christ is to be one who hears and one who knows and one who feels the sufferings of other people. By ascending and carrying our suffering with him to God, God is not the one who is changed by our suffering. We are changed. The way that we suffer is changed. The way that we can join in other people's suffering is changed. And it's all because Christ has carried our suffering into the heavens. So that when we encounter suffering, we can hear the suffering of others with Christ's ears. We can see the suffering of others with Christ's eyes. We can touch the suffering with Christ's hands and feel for the suffering with Christ's heart and know them. With Christ's mind this is what the ascension makes possible Christ suffers until the end of the world because we suffer and there is no where and there is no thing and there is no one that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ can we get weird for a minute permission to be weird okay So we are created beings. We are created, which means we have boundaries. We have limitations. One of those limitations being the fact that we, as created beings, are bound to time. We exist in time. We're being moved along in time, in some direction, right? So our lives make sense to us because of time. But God is not a created being, which is to say that God does not have the same boundaries and the same limitations that we do, including the boundaries and the limitations placed on us by time itself. Are you with me so far? Okay. Then we've made it over the hump. As my friend once said, Rowan Williams, God is not just another object in the universe among other objects. God is not like a sock under your bed that you just haven't found yet. God is the very room itself. God is the space in which our lives happen. We are held into existence by God. And as such, God is not bound to time in the way that you and I are bound to time, so that when Christ ascends and takes his seat at the right hand of God, Christ is ascending into our pasts as much as God is ascending into our futures. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Typically, our prayers as the people of God are always a kind of future casting, right? Our prayers, our our concerns for ourselves, our concerns for others and for the world, they're all about our lives unfolding into the future. This is how we pray. But to God, our yesterdays are still just as accessible as our tomorrow's. That God is still just as much present in yesterday as God is in the present moment, as God will be in our lives tomorrow and in the next moment, in the moment after that. Again, this is what I mean when I say that Christ ascends into our past as well as our future. And we can bear witness to this idea in the scriptures. Maybe this is what the gospel means today when it says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That Jesus was actually pointing to the ways in which the stories of scripture are really about him. And that he actually makes a couple of guest appearances in some of these stories that they know so well. This is Jesus being present in these mysterious and unexplainable ways. The church has talked about this historically as these Christophanies, these moments when Christ was realized in the past. I was having a conversation with Father Green this week and I I said, man, I, I tried to say, I love a good Christophany because you stumble on a good Christophany and it'll mess with you a little bit. But when I was typing it into my phone, I actually said, I love a food Christophany. (laughs) To which he replied, that's the Eucharist. (laughs) I love a food Christophany. But these, these moments in time when Christ is made realized for us, this is what we see in Jesus showing up as the fourth man in the fire in the book of Daniel. This is something of what we understand of this character of Melchizedek in Genesis who comes out of nowhere bearing gifts of bread and wine and blesses the person of Abram at this point. Abram thinking that he was the only one who was in on this new thing that God was doing in the world. And it turns out this other guy that no one's ever seen or heard of before, Melchizedek, comes walking out bearing gifts of bread and wine And a blessing. This is Jesus showing up, our Lord and Shepherd in the Psalms. This is Jesus, the messenger in Micah, as the text says, with beautiful feet along the hills, carrying the message of good news. Christ ascends into our pasts and into our future. And that's good news for us because it means that that painful word that someone spoke to you, those dreams that you had that you feel like are out of reach now, those friendships that fell apart and feel unfixable, that relationship with your family member that's fallen apart over the past several years because of so much divisiveness and so much tension, it means that we, don't have to give up on those things. It means that we can actually hold fast. We can trust that in that moment of brokenness, in the moment of that painful word, in the moment of that suffering happening to us, that that wasn't just a fleeting moment for God. God is still working out that moment in our lives, causing that to become good for us. And for our neighbors. This is what the text means when it says that God causes all things to happen for our good. It's not that God is causing all things to happen to us. It's saying that God is the one who is gathering up all of our moments to God's self. And reworking and reshaping those moments of our lives to actually become for our good. And for the good of our neighbor. Christ ascends into our pasts, and into our futures. So don't give up on those painful moments, on those moments of suffering, those things that feel too far gone or too far broken because our suffering matters to God. And because Christ ascended, we can join in and we can move towards the suffering of other people without fear, because we know that Christ is there and Christ will remain there until healing comes. Amen.